Welcome to the No Referees Podcast, where we have unpenalized conversations with sports personalities on industry news, their grind, the game, and much more. Please check us out on our social media pages at No Referees Podcast for up-to-date info on the show. Now, let's get into it. Welcome back to the No Referees Podcast. I'm your host, Everstock Ajobi, with my special co-host, Special Jennings. How y'all doing? What's up, Special? How you doing today? I'm excellent, man. Happy to be here. Good, good. On the phone with us from Atlanta, Georgia, is the Georgia Tech men's basketball head coach, Josh Pasher. What up, Coach? Hello, Everest and uh, Special. Thanks, Coach Special. Thanks for um, uh, having me on. And um, I, uh, uh, with no refereeing, that means can we foul or what's the deal? You know what I mean? <laughs> that means we're gonna talk with no penalties, no no, no ref, no nothing. You know. <laughs> What's going on in Atlanta these days, Coach? How's the team looking right now? Well, what's going on in Atlanta? There's a lot going on in Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's a great spot. Um, first off, there's um, uh, obviously there's a lot going on with football, especially this time of the year, with whether the, whether it's the NFL, uh, but especially in this neck of the woods in Atlanta. You know, you're kind of the the, the hub of of, of college football as well too, you know, uh, with, with, with everything. So there's a lot of focus on, on football, but basketball is starting to pick up. It's pretty intense during this time period as you're trying to juggle both, you know, being a high level student athlete, uh, you know, and winning games in the ACC, but most importantly, doing your job in the classroom academically. So you talk about the ACC coach. Everybody knows that ACC is probably one of the toughest basketball conferences in the country. You know, you got some of the best players, best pros, some of the best coaches. So just right now, what's your take on the conference and where it stands, and what's the difference in the ACC versus other places you've been at? Well, look, I think the ACC is the best basketball league in the country. I don't think there's any denying that. You look at the number of pros that come in and out of this league every year. I mean, over the last seven years, the most pros that have been drafted in the first round have come from the ACC. Uh, it's, it is the best league. I mean, uh, last year, for example, three number one seeds, North Carolina, Duke, and Virginia, were you know, uh, you know, one seeds in the NCAA tournament. So this league is you know, you've got multiple blue bloods in one league. That doesn't happen all the time. You know, you're talking Duke, North Carolina, Louisville, Syracuse, and I would include Virginia as a blue blood after what they've done in the last, you know, uh, eight years. So you're talking about five teams in one league that's a, that are blue blood type of programs. And so I just think it's the best league. It's a real you know, uh, honor and, and, and privilege to be able to coach in this league, obviously, but there is no, there are no easy games. There's no off nights. Um, you can literally be, it's the only league that I know of where you can be good or play good in a game, play really well and still lose. And um, that's just, and, and lose by a lot, by a large margin. Right. And that's just what league, you know, so powerful. So, Coach, I got a question for you. Um, obviously, coaching at the level that you are at um, and playing against ACC caliber teams and, and, you know, night in and night out, playing tough games. Now you got to have players, you know, recruiting-wise. What are some of your recruiting strategies? Um, how do you, you know, how do you grab guys that can compete night in and night out um, and be a contender? Well, Coach, especially, that's a great question. And, and uh, first off, you know, and you know this, recruiting is so important you know you're oh, obviously absolutely 
you, you, you've got to recruit at a high level. And, and Georgia Tech is the only Division One program that plays football and basketball in Division One that does not have a Bachelor's of Arts. We, we only have Bachelor's of Science. So everything mm. here is strong math and science. And so, so number one is, you know, you've got to find the right student athlete. And it just can't be about how good of a player you, you are. You, you know, to be at a school like Georgia Tech, it's getting like an Ivy League education. And so you've got to really embrace and, 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 and really think long and hard about uh, a life after basketball because in the end, um, um, you know, being a part of the power of being at Georgia Tech is getting that degree. Uh, you know, whether you leave early for the NBA or you, or you come back afterwards, whenever you get that degree, that's the power of Georgia Tech. But so we're, you know, when you're recruiting, you're, you're obviously looking for the best players you can get. You're looking for the best students you can get. Um, but then, you know, look, this is, a, this is a monster league. I mean, it's just everyone is good. And you can sign good players, but everyone else is signing good players and great players. <laughs> right. And that's why I talk about, you know, if we're not going to get that initial five-star elite stud that can come in and be a one-and-done guy, our player development has to be five-star. We have to be five-star with player development. And there's a few things to that. Number one. I think the key for us to have success in this league is we got to get old and stay old. I think that's really important. We've got to win by getting guys to their juniors and seniors and trying to just be older. Two, we've got to stay healthy, especially with our key guys. And and one of the things that that we've had is, you know, our starting point guard hasn't been healthy. He's only played two games. It's cost us games because when you're when you're margin of error is slim to none you can't it's hard to afford injuries from key guys right um third thing is is we've got to be great in development we know we've got to keep getting guys better but those are our kind of our three tandems that we look at and and, in order for us to give us our best chance to have success so when we talk about development coach um let's talk about developing a culture um i think you know you're definitely someone that would know about that leaving um you were at memphis and then transition over to georgia tech what was that like? You know, how did you put the culture together? How did you go about building um, that new culture? Yeah, I mean, you know, a few things. Obviously, when you're when I got the job at Memphis, I had the opportunity the opportunity to follow uh, John Calipari, who at that time was the winningest uh, coach in the last in a four year time period in the history of the NCAA. There had been nobody had won more games than he had in his last four years at Memphis than any other coach in the history of college basketball. Now here I am, you know, when, when he ended up getting the job at Kentucky, um, you know, I used to say the guy that follows coach Calipari is just one. I mean, you're, 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 you're sort of a little bit cuckoo to want to follow him. <laughs> the guy that follows the guy that follows him, you know what I mean? And so obviously I was a little bit of the cuckoo guy because I ended up getting the job in part and partly I got the job because nobody wanted the job. Because nobody wanted to follow the success, uh, you know, people want to take over jobs when they're at the bottom. You know what right, I mean? Because right. you have so, so. But I got fortunate as in, as in terms of I was at the right place, right time, and I and nobody else wanted the job. And I was 31, and I and I got the head job at Memphis, and and we had a great seven year run. Was fortunate to win a lot of games. Had a great staff, great players, and and then I was able to get a job like at Georgia Tech, where where you have an opportunity to coach 
in the ACC, uh, in, 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 as I talk about the premier basketball league in the country, you know, besides the NBA, really the ACC is the best. I mean, yes, the G league is obviously more talented, but people know the NBA and the next thing they know in for basketball is the ACC. And, um, so I had an opportunity to coach in that, you know, and when I got the job at Georgia tech had a, had a chance to, you know, to, to kind of, uh, to hope to rebuild the program back to where they wanted it to get back to where they had it back in the day with coach Bobby Kremens, and, right. which it's, it's, it's never easy. So you're, 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 you're seeing two different spectrums, you know, having a chance to try to keep something at the highest of the highs and also taking something over where you're trying to continue to, to move it forward and, 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 and get it back to where the fans and administration want it back to where when Bobby Kremens had it back in the day and, and, you know, going to the final four and, and, and all kinds of great wins and, and great players and all those good things that go with that. So, and a lot of that has to do with culture. Culture is very, very important. Uh, I was very fortunate taking over at Georgia tech. Uh, the previous coach that was here did a great job with the culture. So I didn't need to come in and change anything with the culture. He did a great job with that. The culture was already in place. A lot of it was just they just needed some infusion of energy. That was all. We know you ain't nothing but a ball of energy. <laughs> yeah. So anyone, I'm, I'm bouncing around here and there. I got a pep in my step. I'm, I, I use the word motor a lot. And um, so anyway, that being said, um, uh, you know, I've, it's, it's been an interesting dynamic to be able to see everything and, and, and to grow with it as well, too. So I'm going to just ask, add this in on your on the culture piece because you said just a little energy and things like that. What, what are your non-negotiables like within your culture? What, what are the just absolute non-negotiables for you? Well, a couple things. Good question on that. You know, and I've continued. This is my 11th year as a head coach. And, and you know, each year as you can as you move forward in coaching, uh, or anything in life or business or whatever it may be, you, you're, you're, you're going to learn and adjust and, and, and really understand what your core values are about and that you're not going to budge on certain things because this is just what you believe is what's best for your business, your program, your family, your, whatever you're involved with to have uh, success. Uh, and so obviously I have, I have learned through time and, and through my 11 years as a head coach to continue to to really focus on my philosophy, but a few things I'm, I use the, I use three big things with our team, and our core values. Number okay. one is motor. I use motor all the time. And, and what is motor? Motor is a hundred percent effort, a hundred percent of the time. And, and, and what does motor look like? Like I can tell you what motor looks like. It's making multiple efforts. Mm. It's playing as hard as you can. It's being an energy giver. It's being positive. It's, it's being where you, where, where people want to be around you because you're full of positive energy and you, and you, and you play so hard and you have such great competitive excellence that you're going to compete and lay everything on the, on the line with you when you go in, into the games. So that's one core value. Uh, secondly, uh, or non-negotiable, should I say, secondly, we talk about discipline. Discipline to me is, is knowing your job and then doing your job knowing your job and doing your job. So like, Hey, do you know, do you know your job? And do, do you know what you're doing on this defense? Do you know what you're doing in this assignment? Uh, do you know what you're doing? Um, you know, if you have class at 10 AM, do you know? Yes, coach. I know. Okay. Then you got to do your job. So it's, it's a two part thing. That's kind of what I look at discipline. And that is knowing your job and then doing your job. 
And then the third, one of the third core things I would say would be, I, I, I talk about the word drive or driven, you know, and what is driven is all about the internal drive inside that you have in your belly, that, that burning desire to be self-motivated to want to be the very best you can be. I don't do well with people who are lazy and who are not self-motivated. I, 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 people that are most successful have an internal drive that are self-motivated individuals that don't need rah-rah speeches to have them comp- to be at the level that they need to be at every single day uh, in life to be able to be successful. And, and that's important. And that's just like, that's the same thing that goes with body language. Like body language, I talk about all the time. You can either be an energy giver or energy taker, but body language screams of your energy level. Mm-hmm. Body language does not whisper. If you don't have great body language with great energy and, and great positive vibes, it, it doesn't whisper. It screams that you're an energy taker and you're a negative Nelly. And we want positive calls. We want positive calls. And how do we want positive calls? We want energy givers. And a lot of that comes through body language. So those are some of the, the non-negotiables that we deal with, Coach. <laughs> Coach, I love how you said negative Nelly, ne- negative Nelly instead of negative Nancy. <laughs> I love the remix. Paul. Yeah, positive, positive Paul instead of negative Paula. Yeah, that, that's such a good remix. That was that was excellent. Hey, Coach P, um, so when you got the opportunity to go to Atlanta and to take over the Georgia Tech job, you see the rich basketball history they have there. Not only Coach Crimmins, but players like Chris Bosh, Stephon Marbury, Iman Shumper, the McCamish Pavilion, City of Atlanta, et cetera, et cetera. Are those some of the biggest selling points when you're on the recruiting trail? Yeah, I mean, we, we talk a lot about, you know, obviously with recruiting, we're, we're constantly selling um, you know, obviously the academic component of it all. I mean, it's, you know, you're, you have an opportunity to get a degree at Georgia tech where almost 45% of graduates that have nothing to do with athletics become millionaires. I mean, you just, you know, becoming a Georgia tech graduate, you know, can change your life beyond basketball. Um, and so the power of getting that Georgia tech degree, of course, we're selling Atlanta, um, you know, and, and, and be, uh, this is a, you know, one of the most vibrant, growing, uh, diverse uh, cities in, in the world. Um, it's becoming kind of the hub of, of uh, many of the elite athletes and entertainers and, and, um, and artists of, of music and of all kinds uh, uh, here in Atlanta. They're making their home. And then obviously the ACC. I mean, as I mentioned earlier, besides the NBA, the best basketball league in in the in North America is is the ACC. Yes, the G League is more talent. We I get that, but the most the two most recognizable names of of basketball in North America is the NBA and the ACC. And so that's the power of it. So we call it the Triple A: Academics, Atlanta, and the ACC. Hey. Talk that talk, coach. Talk that talk, coach. <laughs> you get a shirt made with that. <laughs> put that on a t-shirt, coach. Right. Uh, we need to put that on social media, but 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 um, but you know, of course, we're talking about a lot of the past players. Some Stephon. I mean, there's many, so many great pros that have played here, and guys like and people don't even know this. Probably, I mean, going way back to John Sally and Mark Mark Price, Price Cleveland Cavalier. 
Hey, shout out to Cleveland coach. I'm from Cleveland, so you know I'm you know I'm with him. <laughs> you know, absolutely. And Kenny Anderson and Stephon Marbury and Chris Bosch and I could go on and on. Now, a lot of the kids in this day and age that we're recruiting don't know who Mark Price is. They don't know mm. who John Salad. They don't know. Heck, they don't even know Stephon Marbury or Kenny Anderson. They they barely know Chris Bosch. You know? Right. So that's just that's just kind of the way it is. And uh, um, but 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 uh, eventually, kids won't even remember. Won't even know who Michael Jordan is. You know what I mean? <laughs> that's just, you know that's just kind of the way as 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 you know generations go and the older the more longer you're you're not playing um you know that's just part of it but so anyway that with that being said we're we're constantly selling the great things about georgia tech your eardrums buzzing yet make sure you never miss an episode by clicking the subscribe button now enough of us now let's get back to the show Let's talk about um, the ACC as being real tough, but just college basketball in general, the, the, the transfer portal. Um, thoughts on that? What are, like, why are so many kids transferring? Like, what you know? Why is it because they have you know the access is too easy to transfer, or what? What are your thoughts on that? I look. I I don't think it's that big of a deal. I think the media makes it bigger deal than it is. I just think the transfers is just part of the the game, and and people transfer all the time in college colleges. Uh, I mean, people just go from one school to another. That's just part of it. Um, and, and any transfer that's transferring uh, in college basketball at the portal, 99.9999% of them are transferring based on playing time. Maybe mm. they're not playing in, at previous school. So I, I, I don't think it's, I, I don't think we need to make a bigger deal than it is. I think at, at some point they should just let you play right away. Whether Man. You, if, you, if you transfer at a flight, yeah, and a lot of, maybe there will be more transfers, but so be it. That's just part of it. I don't see it that big of an issue. Um, I really don't. I just think it's it's normal. It's part of society. People leave, and, and sometimes when people aren't getting playing time, that's the reason they're leaving. And um, so uh, that's just kind of that. Uh, uh, but the portal has been a good thing. I think it's a great uh, resource the NCAA has decided to utilize within the transfer market. Mm-hmm. It's transfer portal, and I think that that cuts out a um, you know a lot of riffraff and 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 fluff and just hey it, it, it kind of keeps it black and white no gray area and um, uh, and it, and, it, and it just makes it simple so I think it's a good thing. I'm glad you made the comment you did. Um, I agree. I really wish that you know if they do go then you know why can't they play? What what's the? And I know there's there's a lot of talk about that because you know, otherwise people talk, could it become like a free agent thing where everyone's just leaving? Or if you don't like something, you can leave. Yes, that could happen. Um, uh, but on the other hand, you might get a kid, uh, you know, there's going to be, I think there's got to be just, it just can't be, um, uh, uh, we're just free, free for all free agency. There's got to be something tied to it as in terms of maybe academics. So if you do take a kid on a transfer and he can play right away and, he doesn't do his job academically. You can lose a scholarship or whatever it may be. There's got to be some consequence uh, for, at, at some level. Um, but but that being said, I, I I do believe they're going to move in that direction, especially with this name, image, likeness, and all this you know new thing coming down. Uh, I do think eventually. This is again my personal opinion. I do think they'll eventually move into the the. Um, the area of, of everyone will, will transfer anyone that can transfer, you get a one-time transfer deal and not have to sit out. 
Coach, as a former player, what do you think about the whole likeness image thing? You know, it's a big hot topic these days. And you're a head coach now. You were a longtime assistant coach and you were a player. So you've been at every different spectrum of it. What's your thoughts on it? Well, look, I think whatever's best for the student athlete, I'm all for it. Um, how it's all going to work itself out and how they figure it all out, obviously that's going to have to come up with, you know, from the athletic directors and, and the presidents and the people in the board of governors with the NCAA. But uh, uh, whatever's best for the student athlete, then, you know, we're all on board with that. AAU versus high school coach. What are your thoughts? Um, I don't know. You know. I'm not a men's coach, but on the women's side, I know that, Ooh, these AAU days are long, <laughs> and quite frankly, it's, it's hard to watch. There's so many different teams. Um, we always just, just man, it's a, it's a lot on the women's side. What, what's what's that like on the men's side, AAU? Well, I used to. I my, my sister was a really good player. I used to actually coach uh, uh, girls AAU basketball, uh, and I enjoyed it. And uh, you know, so I'm familiar. You know, I've been out of it for a while now, but when I was involved in it, I was very familiar with the women's side of grassroots basketball. And obviously I'm very familiar with the men's side of grassroots basketball. And, um, you know, I kind of look at it on the other hand that, um, you know, look, I mean, all these, uh, these opportunities with basketball, whether it's grassroots, whatever it may be, or or AAU summer basketball, it gives kids opportunities. You know, again, it, it, you know, people can make a bigger deal and say negative things about it, but 99.999% of, the young people going into college are not going to play professional basketball. Trying to play in the NBA is nearly impossible. That league is so good. It is so hard to make. So 99.999% of the people need, need college. They need the education. They need the four years. They need the five years, four or five years. They need the experiences. They need the ability to, to grow and develop and understand time management and all those things that they, that go with uh, being in college. And, and and the opportunities and and you know having a chance to get a college scholarship and uh, all those things and so you know yes there's the point zero 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 one percent that are good enough that that don't uh, need college that can go to the pros right out of high school and and I and obviously again I'm not in the NBA but from the outside looking in I do think they're going to open that window again or that door again in the next CBA collective bargaining agreement. Uh, bar, uh, you know, the CBA with the NBA, where they allow kids out of high school to go directly to the pros, and that will allow the ones that don't really have a desire to go to college, and that are good enough to play in the NBA, they can go directly there. But um, you know, look, so I, I, I think I think grassroots basketball, I think summer basketball is very positive for kids. I mean, you're better off being in, in involved in that. And yes, they, you know, there's always a bad apple here and there in any profession that you do of anything in life, but the majority of the people do it for the right reason. They're not ever getting paid. They, they do it as a volunteer and it's better for these kids. The way I look at it to be around, uh, playing basketball with teams, um, and, and, and instead of, and, and being a part of, you know, uh, uh, team camaraderie and, and all those good things and, and not being involved, staying at home. And as, as we all know, with, with, with the fact, with the numbers out there, um, you know, between three and six o'clock uh, during the weekdays, a lot of things where, where young people have a chance to get in trouble, can get involved in drugs or alcohol or, or violence. And so, you know, if these opportunities allow people to stay away from that because they're being part of a team and, 
having opportunities to travel and and maybe getting chances to get a, to get seen by coaches to give them a chance to get a college scholarship. I think it's only positive, and and I think we should be embracing that and not just talking about the point zero 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 one percent that maybe don't need the summer basketball that maybe should go part of you know the you know some you know special uh, like you know Olympic committee type thing to get them <laughs> trained. Yeah, because the majority, like I said, everybody else needs these opportunities for the for the long term for them. So, coach, you talk about that zero 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 point one percent of the uh, kids go to the league. Last year, you had an up close front row seat to Zion Williamson. What do you think about him? He should have been one of those guys potentially that didn't need college. What do you, what's your thoughts on a player like him? Well, you're 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 right. I mean, but I will say this. College was very good for him. And I, let me tell you why. A few things. He, Yes, he had a lot of followers on Instagram or Twitter based on his dunking in, in grassroots basketball. But the marketing dollars that he made by being in college, he would not have gotten that if he didn't go to college. So would he have still been picked? He would not have been the number one pick coming out of high school. He might have been. He would have been picked top ten. I don't think he would have been picked number one. He, he Exposure that he got in college, the marketing that he got, um, it was, you know, it, 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 he doesn't even need a basketball contract because of what he's made of marketing deals. And so, uh, you know, I, so I think college was good for him. Now, look, I mean, uh, guys like Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Kevin Garnett, um, you know, it's worked out for them. They didn't need college. So it, it, Kevin Durant, I mean, it worked. He had one year of college, and, he, and it's worked out. Russell Westbrook went to two years. I mean, you know, there are some guys who, who it's worked out for, but I think for a lot of guys, I mean, look at Anthony Davis. He's one of the best in the NBA. He went to one year of college. Uh, um, you know, so I could go on and on about that. But it's more about if the kid's good enough and they have no desire to want to go to college whatsoever, then they should have that avenue to not just have to go to the G League, but to, to enter the draft. And I think that's what's going to happen in 2022 draft. Coach, you've had a plethora of phenomenal players and athletes. Who's your favorite player? Favorite player you've ever coached? Well, look, I mean, I, I, I've been nah, nah, nah. Come on, Coach. <laughs> nah, 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 nah. Coach, we got the list right here in front of us of the names. We don't want to put nobody on Front Street in case they hear this. We don't want to say anybody from Arizona, Memphis, Georgia Tech. We know all the names out here, Coach. We got the list. We ain't going to say to y'all these 50 different names. So you got to just give us one. Well, look, I mean, here's the thing. You know, I've always said, I, I you know, uh, uh, being a being a coach is, you know, people used to, when I was in the head coach at Memphis, they said, "Do you ever want to run for the mayor?" <laughs> I said, being the head coach at, at at Memphis was more political than being the mayor. So, um, you know, and so and so, I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay uh, right down the middle because because I've been fortunate to coach a lot of great players. Uh, I've been around a lot of great players, and it, and I totally recognize when you win games. You strictly win based on the players putting the ball in the basket. I mean, look, absolutely. And, and coach, you know this. It, it's a make and miss game, and and it's all about you know it, it's 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 can get very people can make it complicated, and and I have a tendency to do that too. But when you really put it down to it, it comes down to very simplicity. Simple is powerful, and the bottom line, it is a game that it, it's a make and miss game. 
And um, coaches are probably never as good as people say they are. They're probably never as bad as they say they are. Because in the reality of it, especially like for college basketball, you're dependent on 18 to 22-year-olds putting the ball in the basket. And uh, that's really your livelihood. It's a great livelihood. It's an exciting livelihood. But you're dependent on 18 to 22-year-olds to making shots. And so I won't use one guy because I've been fortunate in my 11 years. And even as an assistant and player at Arizona and coaching guys in AAU basketball, I've been around a lot of great players, and, and it's been a good blessing along the way. See, Coach, I was thinking you was going to see. I'm going to name some names. See, <laughs> see, I know I know your, your your resume. I know your history. You know, for y'all that don't know out there, Coach is being modest right now. Coach is not the kind of guy to toot his own horn. But we're going to name a couple guys, and I'm going to name them because one of my favorite players growing up was Mike Bibby. And Mike Bibby was one of my favorite players, not only because he was a stud point guard, but he used to have the flyest kicks coach when he played it in uh, Sacramento. And so he's one of my favorite players that I know that you've been around and coached up and uh, things of that nature. And so that's kind of one of my guys on, on your long list. I'm not as old as, as, as Everest, so. <laughs> uh-huh. Mike, Bibby, Mike Bibby was a great player. I tell you what, and, and, and some of those – games when he was at Sacramento Kings, those Western Conference finals, um, um, you know, uh, against the Lakers were out, uh, absolutely outstanding. Uh, I was on the, I, I played at the University of Arizona with Lute Olson, who was the head coach there from 96 to 2000. I was very fortunate to, uh, um, you know, to be part of a team that won the 1997 National Championship. Uh, to be part of that was just was incredible, was outstanding, was awesome, was amazing, and uh, just an incredible experience to to be able to go through that. And on that team, we had, as you mentioned, Michael Bibby, we had uh, Michael Dickerson and Jason Terry, three lottery picks, uh, and Miles Simon, who's actually most outstanding player in 1997 championship and was a second round draft pick uh, later on. But uh, um, yeah, but Mike Bibby, what you know, was amazing with Mike. He wasn't quick. He wasn't overly fast. He was a great shooter, and his in, his IQ of the game was fascinating. He was he just he was so smart uh, with the ball, and his hand, his hand like John. If you ever uh, met John Stockton, who's the all time leading assist leader in the NBA history, where I do think eventually LeBron James will beat his uh, record, but John Stockton's hands are so big. And it's the same thing with Mike Bibby. Mike Bibby's hands, his fingers are so long and they're big. People that have huge hands are able to handle the ball. All those great guards, if you ever look at their hands, they're, they're, they're all big hands because they just it allows them to handle the ball and it becomes like a suction cup. And, and it's just part of it. It's like a Velcro deal. And, and uh, uh, But that's the kind of the thing on Mike. Well, I know one of you guys on your current roster that got some big hands and suction cuffs, James Banks leading the NCAA in block shots, five and a half per game. Per game. And you got, I know you got uh, Mr. Moore on the team, uh, third in the country in uh, steals per game. So right now your team is just known for their defense. So kind of talk about what your preparation and practice is every day and your calling card on your know, team's coming to play Georgia Tech. They got to come, they got to come with it because their defense is going to be stout. Yeah, you know, a few things. Uh, you mentioned James Banks is the leading shot blocker in the country. Khalid Moore uh, is a really good defender. Um, look, I, I've always said this with our team. There's one thing that can always travel with you is our, is defense. Whether it's home or away, that travels. 
Um, you can bring that anywhere. And that, and it's not a skill thing. I mean, defense is about, as I mentioned earlier in our talk, is about motor, uh, multiple efforts, you know, hard stunts, uh, multiple, making multiple plays in one, in one possession. And it's just, it's all about a, 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 an internal drive of will to want to be great defensively. We've prided ourselves on defense. We believe in defense. It's who we are. It's what we do. It's our identity. It's our DNA. And for us to be successful, we've got to be really good at, at, at that side of the ball. Well, Coach, I just want to thank you for joining us on the No Referees podcast. I do appreciate it. Coach, knowing you personally and I worked with you for a few years when you were in Memphis, I'm just so – your spirit seems so happy at Georgia Tech. I follow you on uh, your social media. I see you on campus giving the kids donuts and doing giveaways and T-shirts and stuff like that. And I just know that you just – your spirit sounds so great. And I just love that right now, and I'm just so happy for you. Well, E, I really appreciate that, and the uh, feeling's mutual, and and uh, and I really appreciate you, and, and I really appreciate getting to know you, even though it's via the phone here, uh, Coach uh, Coach Special, and and that's awesome, and and you guys got great questions, and I've I've loved having the opportunity to be on your podcast, and appreciate and I it, hope Coach. to be able to be back on on in the future, and hopefully there's at a time where we get a major win streak, and you can get me back on, and, and I'm hoping <laughs> this gives us good luck. That you guys are both positive energy givers. That that through the osmosis of the podcast, like <laughs> get hot and get on the win streak. Coach, uh, plug your social medias for us. Tell us where tell the fans where they can find you on social media. Yeah, there's two ways to do it. Uh, on, on Twitter, GT for the for our for our team, GTMBB, GTMBB, and then there's GT Josh Passner, GT Josh Passner. Or there's GT, M as in Mary, B as in boy, B as in boy. Uh, that's the best ways to, to follow us on social media. And, um, uh, yeah, go to follow. So GT, Josh Passner or GTMBB. Good two ways to follow us, either on Instagram or Twitter. Well, Coach, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. I'll probably shoot you uh, an email. Email me anytime. You can. My email is easy to, to get a hold of. It's on ramblingrec.com. On the website, you can go right to the website. It's pretty simple. Pastner at athletics.gatech.edu. I respond to everybody. Any thoughts, ideas, questions, suggestions, feel free to email me anytime. Coach, one time before you leave, you're in Atlanta. I got to hear you say, give me an ATL shoddy. I got to hear you say <laughs> ATL shoddy one time. <laughs> ATL shot. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you both. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to another episode of the No Referees Podcast. Please hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this show and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Till the next episode, we out.